Welcome to the One Body, One Life podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wan, lifestyle physical therapist, and I talk about everything health and wellness related so you too can have a more resilient body and a more fulfilling, pain-free life. I also help busy parents and professionals to eliminate chronic pain from their life, and that is any pain lasting longer than three months, three to six months. So if you're interested in the Pain-Free Academy and joining our program, send a DM to Flex with Dr. J. That's F-L-E-X-W-I-T-H forward Dr. J-A-Y on Instagram or head to the link in the description to apply for our program directly. And today, I just want to share three pivotal things to track for better health and well-being. And especially in this tech-driven society, there are a lot of things that certain fitness trackers can track. And while it's not always accurate or perfect and things will continue to be refined, as time goes on, there is some sense of gaining control over different aspects of our health. And nowadays we can track many things like heart rate, EKG to de detect arrhythmias. You can track your blood oxygen saturation, the amount of steps that you get in, the calories that you eat. But today I wanted to highlight three things, three pivotal things that I track myself and that you may not be tracking now. And that if you wanted to have a healthier and more robust life, these are things that I feel are non-negotiable in my book. And the number one, which I feel is actually one of the most important is your workouts. Now you may be a runner, you may be a weightlifter, maybe you're just a beginner and trying to navigate the waters and seeing which is going to be the right mode of exercise that keeps you going, that's going to gather your interest for the long term. And I always tell people that there's no need to force yourself to do any one type of exercise just because everyone else is doing it. But I think that if you are going to pursue some sort of workout, it must be something that is doable for you and that you enjoy. And it is something that I feel you should track. Now, here's here I wanted to highlight one important thing, which is a lot of these either group or community type of workout things like Barry's Bootcamp or Orange Theory or many other things. And I think for one, I think it's awesome that people gather into a community. Some people need the social aspects in order to work out and exercise consistently. And if that is something that you are currently doing, whether it's berries, again, Orange Theory, or any of those other group classes, I am definitely all for it. So there are definitely some pros, again, like the social aspects, and it is getting you off the chair, and it's getting you to be active. I think there is just one con, and again, Orange Theory and some of them, don't get me wrong, it's great, but one thing that I think that's a con is it is very hard to track. Now, for example, if you're trying to, for example, let's say grow your calves or grow your glutes, like you're trying to get stronger in a certain aspect, you realize that a lot of times these boot camps, they change up the workout every single time. And that's for the people that generally get a little bit bored of the same workout. They need something more creative. They want a different response. And I think that's great. But at the same time, if the workouts are going to change like every one to two weeks, then you're really not, you may not see that progress that you want because it really just is more so improving muscular endurance, but you're not really tracking what the workout actually is, right? You may be able to track like, okay, I can sprint a little bit faster. I'm running a little bit faster according to the screen at Orange Theory. But at the same time, again, it's like you, you're you not measuring what how much weight you're doing on a squat or how much weight you're doing with a bicep curl. Unless you're really tracking that and you're saying to yourself after this workout, 
I'm going to log this workout on my own app or on a notebook and try to get these workouts in onto a document so that I know what my numbers were on two months ago, then you're really not going to see the gains. And I oftentimes see people that if they're not going to this type of community class, then easily they're just going to fall off the wagon and they're going to lose all those gains. And they lose all those gains because they're really not tracking the amount of reps they're doing, the amount of strength and capacity, and even the amount of weight that they're doing. So for me, like what I do and what I personally do is I head to the gym five to six days a week. I have my own spreadsheet. And for some of my clients in the Pain-Free Academy, they are logging things on my own app and they have video demonstrations and sets and repetitions. So they're also able to track their workouts. And if they don't track their workouts, then I'm aware of it. I can see when they skip a workout. But for me, myself, I don't use my own app. I generally like to use just a very simple spreadsheet. I put down Monday, I'm doing upper body. Tuesday, I'm doing lower body. Wednesday, I'm doing lower body pull. Thursday, I'm resting. Friday, with this type of workout, and when I can log things as as far as my sets, my repetitions, the amount of weights I'm doing, then I can actually see all my numbers on one large spreadsheet. And I can therefore, when I hit that same workout, I'm going to try to push my body to be at least 1% better. Now, whether that's adding a set or adding some repetitions or even adding just some weight, that is something that I know that I am actually getting stronger. So get, here's an example, and I'll take it from my exact spreadsheet here. Let's say it is a weighted chin-up, for example. So weighted chin-up, as of January 1st, I was doing three sets of 10 and I was putting 35 pounds weight in order to do those weighted chin-ups, right? So I either have a belt, I attach the 35 pound dumbbell and I lift my own body weight and I do three sets of 10. Now, I usually will give myself a rep range as well. So for the program that I built out, I said weighted chin-ups, three sets of eight to 10 repetitions. So if I'm at the eight repetition mark at 35 pounds, then the next time that I do that workout, I'm going to try to aim for the 10 repetitions at 35 pounds. And this is going to be dependent on a lot of different factors. For example, how many other accessory exercises strengthen my lat so that my chin-ups can get better. I also know that with doing weighted chin-ups, that it's a mixture of biceps, a little bit of core, as well as lats. So doing some accessory workouts for that exercise will be helpful. It's also dependent on the amount of protein that you get, the amount of sleep that you can get, so the quality of your sleep. So those are all different factors that play into it. But for the most part, I'm going to force myself to try to get those extra two repetitions because that's how I know that I'm increasing my volume. Volume being how much time you hold something or how many repetitions that you do it for. Okay, so let's say hypothetically, I get to 10 repetitions at 35 pounds, three sets of 10, great. So I've increased the volume by two repetitions. Now, the next time that I get into that workout, while I have given myself a repetition range of eight to 10 repetitions, I'm going to try to increase now the weight because I've now hit the upper rep range, which was 10 repetitions. Now I'm going to go from 35 to either 37.5 if that's available, or I can try to go for 40. And when I go for either 37.5 or 40 pounds, now I'm going to drop the repetitions and the volume back down to eight repetitions, which stays within my limit of the amount of reps that I'm doing. So as you can see, this is called what I call a double progression model, which is I give myself 
a rep range of sometimes eight to 12 reps, sometimes eight to 10 reps. And I'm going to try to increase the reps by at least two and always try to be at least one to four reps shy of failure. That's also very important in order to maximize the amount of muscle growth and protein synthesis. And at the same time, I'm always going to try to increase the volume, increase the repetitions every time. So at some point, you may get to a point where you're plateauing and you start to see that your sets or your repetitions or the amount of weight that you're doing is not going as high and it starts to plateau. That's when you're hitting somewhat of an adaptation point. You can try to throw in a little bit more accessory workouts to complement the weighted chin up. But at that point, then that's where you can try to change it up. Okay. So this is why I think changing again, not changing the workouts, but actually tracking your workouts is so important. And I stress that to all my clients right from day one is to track your workouts. Because if you do not track, I've seen so many people, family members, friends, there's a whole bunch of people that I think make that mistake. And they are doing a certain workout, they're staying consistent. Let's say they're working out four days a week. That's great. Being consistent four days a week is better than doing nothing, right? But they're doing the same workouts and then they're not tracking the workouts. So they're always just basing, they're always basing like how much weight they're going to do based off their subjective experience. And remember what I said is that based on your sleep, your stress levels, there's so many other factors. If you're just subjectively saying, I'm having a good day, so I'm going to do a little bit more weight. I'm having a bad day, so I'm just going to stay the same it's not being very objective. So you're not going to notice the gains that you want. And I've seen way too many people do the same workout plan for three to five years. Think about that, three to five years. That's so many days. And they're still doing the same amount of reps and the same amount of weight. So therefore, you really haven't gotten stronger. Your endurance hasn't improved. Your physique and your aesthetics haven't improved. Your muscular endurance hasn't improved. So you really haven't seen any improvement over a couple year span. And that's why I'm saying this as like, probably the number one thing you should track is your workouts. Now, whether, again, if, let's translate this to runners, whether you're a runner, obviously I think that most runners, they have some sort of like Garmin app or they have Strava, they have something to automatically log the workout. So again, if it's automatically being logged, that's great. Um, I'd still suggest if it's automatically being logged to look at your numbers, like the duration that you ran, the speed that you ran, they're all how, how much time that you finished a mile from there's all these other things that you can track from a running standpoint i'd still suggest that you look at your numbers and make sure that you're trying to outdo that previous version of you and try to run faster try to run longer try to increase those parameters as well i am very biased towards strength training i think that strength training for the most part has probably the most research in terms of decreasing all-cause mortality, decreasing and inc increasing that, that that preventative measure of preventing you from getting any sort of disease as we get older. And I think it's great. You're always trying to push yourself to beat your score and to always beat yourself. And I think that's a internal and intrinsic competition that I have with myself. I really don't need external validation or motivation from friends and other people to push myself. And this is what I've been pushing for my clients and anybody that follows me is to track your workouts. Okay. In a nutshell, if you have questions about that, definitely send me an email or text me. I'm always able to answer your questions about any sort of progression model, but ultimately it sucks to maintain. It sucks to stay the same. So I definitely say if you want to progress and actually see that you're making in incremental gains in your health, your fitness, your strength, your ro robustness, and also able to live longer, track them workouts. Okay.
So let's go into number two. And I alluded to it already, which is tracking your sleep. I definitely would say there's a little disclaimer, which is if you're already getting super high quality eight to nine hours of sleep, you already know that you can't function without eight to nine hours of sleep and you're picture perfect. I'd say maybe this is something that you don't need to track. It may be good to still track it just to see what type of quality of sleep that you're getting. But I want to tell you that throughout my life, I was a person that prided myself on getting on really poor sleep, but still being able to function. That's a classic teenager slash college type of thing, which is you feel like you're invincible. You can eat something and then just immediately work out, or you can run on three to four hours of sleep and still function the next day. Some people weren't like that, but for me, I was like that. I prided myself on saying, I can get three to four hours of sleep, just stay up all night, play video games and feel perfectly fine and be able to play four hours of basketball or four hours of working out, be perfectly fine. And as I got older, I realized that I went through this phase and this spell of a lot of chronic neck and back issues, not just because of lack of sleep, also just poor. I had an experience of getting, going through two car accidents, which also left my neck in a bad place. And combined with the lack of sleep, that was really affecting my body in a horrible way. I would wake up with seizing neck pain. Some days I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. Um, I couldn't function and really sit in a car or study at all um, and sit. A lot of people have pain in their neck and back with sitting for a long period of time. And that was me. And Ultimately, it came down to wanting to change different aspects of my own health. And I had to address kind of the main pillars like nutrition, exercise, sleep. And one of them I knew was like, I, I prided myself in three to four hours of sleep. I knew that classically people needed to get at least six, if not seven to nine hours of sleep. So I started to track this. And thankfully enough with technology, I started getting different watches and different trackers to track my sleep to some degree to at least say, okay, this is the amount of deep sleep or REM sleep that I'm getting or light sleep. This is the amount of time that I woke up. So I really started to optimize many aspects of my sleep. And that was a game changer. Some of the things that I did was I put on a sleep mask, so it was completely dark. Other things as I lowered the temperature, uh, people don't realize that the optimal temperature that you need to sleep at is actually 63 to 65 degrees. And that seems somewhat cold, but your body actually gets deeper sleep in a colder environment. And you've ever been like sleep in Florida or like sleep in a humid slash hot environment, you realize that your sleep performance actually decreases tremendously. And I wanted to let you know just some of the science behind why you should be getting those extra hours of sleep or extra quality sleep. For one, just based on my experience, once I started to get seven, 10 hours of sleep and optimize my sleep quality, and I started to develop better rituals around sleep, I felt amazing. And my a lot of my pain went away, not just with the exercise I was doing, but with getting that higher quality of sleep. So the research, one of the a study that I read uh, actually said that getting one hour less of sleep leads to a 11 to 13% decrement in performance. And there was a number of studies that actually said that they evaluated runners. Um, they they said that their cardio respiratory endurance actually decreased, their sprint speed decreased. They did this on other high-level athletes. So they sleep-deprived high-level athletes. They said that their maximal jump height decreased. They did this on deskbound professionals. And they said that sleeping or sleep deprivation led to a decrease in cognitive task and multitasking that also became impaired. And this is pretty obvious, but it's likely due to some form of impaired perceptual as well as cardiorespiratory response. Studies also showed that decreased sleep led to increased perception 
of physical discomfort at rest and post-workout. So this is for those that are athletes and they're like, oh man, like I really can't increase weight. I can't uh, increase my performance because I'm really sore the next day. So getting that extra hour of sleep will decrease that soreness. I always tell my clients this all the time is that we don't make muscle in the gym. We make muscle in our sleep. Think about that just for a second is when we're in the gym, we're going through breakdown, right? Where it's about it's a catabolic response initially, which is you're breaking down the tissues. And then as you get a good meal in, and then as you sleep longer, it starts to create that anabolic response, which is building up of that tissue again. So if you're just getting five hours of sleep, but you're really only getting maybe three to four hours of actually like high quality REM and deep sleep. So you're really leaving a lot of gains off the table, increasing that perception of physical discomfort post-workout but also your body is staying in a state of breakdown. You're increasing your chances of injury. Your numbers are probably going to plateau or even decrease. And I've been there before. Okay. The ability for your, for you to recover from these workouts becomes extremely impaired. And also they did studies on people with either depression or chronic pain. And they noticed that there was a strong correlation with sleep deprivation as well. Sleep deprivation in those studies um, have shown to create an overall chronic deoxygenation of tissues, especially muscular tissues in the body. And so if you've ever, let's say, had someone squeeze your forearm, for example, so hear me out. When you squeeze your forearm or somebody squeezes your forearm for a long period of time, not an Indian burn, but actually just squeezing the forearm and keeping that pressure on there, you notice that eventually your hand starts to lose color. Eventually your hand starts to get tingly and eventually it starts to become very uncomfortable and cause a lot of discomfort. And that is due to deoxygenation, lack of blood flow to the fingers. So when that hand, obviously when they let that pressure go, then you start to notice your hand turn red again, it re it starts to get a lot of blood flow. And then that discomfort and the symptoms that you felt decrease. The same thing goes again, when you are getting better quality sleep, if you're getting better quality sleep, it is going to help you to improve your performance in all aspects. It will keep your tissues oxygenated. You'll notice better ability to go through certain complex cognitive tasks. And also you might notice that your numbers, as far as your performance on a either you're a runner or a workout enthusiast or a bodybuilder, you'll notice that your numbers will start to go up. So for me, I have always struggled with some sort of lack of sleep. I also have a toddler and that's not always easy when it comes to getting sleep. Sometimes you got to wake up at night, but at the same time, I've been tracking my workouts, especially on the spreadsheet. And I've been getting an average of about seven hours and five to 10 minutes in case given some change. So ultimately tracking your sleep, especially if you're somebody that has pain or notice that they're not making the gains that they want, I highly suggest evaluating and looking into your sleep. You don't need a fitness tracker. Like I have one on my wrist at all times, but there are apps that can actually detect like your, your rhythm. They can actually just hear like your, your snoring and can hear like your breath. And there's pretty cool apps that can actually detect that. Yeah. I think you put it underneath your pillow and I think the app is free. I could be mistaken, but there are a lot of ways to track your sleep and ultimately Tracking is never going to be, is not perfect, at least right now in 2023. But I think that as time goes on, the quality of the tracking will get a lot better. All right. So the last and final one that I want to give to you, number three, is mobility frequency. This is something that I think, unfortunately, cannot be tracked through technology. And maybe it can be because maybe you can just download a 
habit tracker or have some sort of tally like on a piece of paper. So there might be a lot of ways to track mobility frequency. And what I define as mobility frequency and just break down exactly what those words mean is how often you are actually intentionally moving through the day. So if you actually start tracking this, like what I'd suggest to you as like a homework assignment is track the amount of times throughout a seven day period. So you go Monday all the way to Sunday and actually track how many times you've intentionally got up to go for a walk. And I don't even count like walking to the bathroom or walking to go get some water. I'm talking about like an intentional five minute walk or intentionally uh, going somewhere to actually get in some sort of stretching or mobility. Track that and see how often you're moving. Because what I feel is that with my clients that often make this mistake, and maybe you're making this mistake as well, is they do some sort of like morning stretch. That's when they're the most stiff. So they do some sort of morning stretch. They feel a lot better. And then they go to their work setting, which is usually sitting at a desk. And then what ends up happening is they don't do anything at work over a six to eight hour period. They just sit at their desk or stand at their desk and they just try to cram through. And then what they realize is that after they sign off and turn off their computer, their body is wrecked. They feel like they have a neck and back issues. Their back is stiff. They feel like their energy levels are really low. Energy levels are not just as a form of lack of movement, but energy levels also could just be like you're doing a lot of um, cognitive de demanding tasks. So if you can take the break from those demanding tasks and actually move your body, that gives your brain a chance to rest. Also secretes a lot of great endorphins and dopamine when you do that, when you do those mobility exercises. And honestly, it is a product of your habits. So what I preach to my clients, especially one of my course trainings that I have in my program is all about how to develop better science-based habits and have better tactical strategies to move throughout the day and do that effortlessly without conscious efforts. Right now, for a lot of people, if they're just getting started and you're like, oh man, I'm that person. I'm that person that just does a little stretching in the morning and then I don't move at all at work. I'd suggest changing that. So one, track how many times you intentionally move through the day. And another thing that you should try out is try developing a three to five exercise routine that's short and timely and effective and have that pasted somewhere and try to do that mobility routine a few times a day. Um, if you have trouble figuring out those exercises for yourself and okay, I don't know what to do for my low back. I don't know what to do for my hips, my hip soreness. Then that's where, that's where you hire somebody like myself or some other PT that can help you to develop that routine. But you look at a routine that can help you to relieve any discomfort or prevent any stiffness and that can increase your energy levels and you track those numbers. So for me, I don't need to track anymore, but I was tracking this before. I move automatically nowadays, eight to 10 times a day. And I associate that with just many different things I do through the day, whether that's sending a few emails and get up for a walk or whether I'm on a coaching call with my clients on Zoom. And then immediately after I do some form of stretching or mobility. So these are ways that I've been able to hack my own lack of movement. And when I was in grad school and college, these were times where I was not moving a lot. Those were probably a product of why I was having so much neck and back discomfort. And for many of you out there that are listening, you're going to have discomfort in many different places. It's going to appear in a lot of places, depending on how you're sitting, how you're standing. But like I said, I think that one of the more important things in my life is mobility frequency. 
And that's how often you move through the day. Do not make that mistake of just doing a morning routine and then not moving at all, right? Because doing a five to 10 minute morning routine or even a half hour routine, that's not going to outweigh six to eight hours of sitting followed by when you get home, you're even more tired. So you're just going to do a lot more sitting, right? So you're doing a lot more sitting than moving. And I think that's a recipe for anti-longevity, right? It's killing you inside. It's making your body stiffer, more decrepit, more fragile. So the more you move, the better. And if you combine that with tracking your sleep along with tracking your workouts and maybe get onto a good strength training routine, I think that can change the game for you. It can change your world. Um, following and actually tracking these things. Again, number one, if you're not tracking your workouts, I can honestly say that making a huge mistake and three years down the road, you're going to regret it and you're not going to see any improvements whatsoever. Number two, make sure that you are tracking your sleep, especially if you are sleep deprived. I'd say sleep deprived is anything less than seven hours of sleep. So if you're trying to improve that and trying to make incremental gains towards seven to nine hours of sleep, track that sleep. And lastly, number three is mobility frequency. The more you move throughout your life, the easier life you're going to have in the long run. That is what I got for you guys today. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely hit that subscriber follow button. I release new episodes every morning on Wednesdays on Apple, iTunes, on Spotify, on all the major platforms. And I'd love if you are on Spotify or even iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I'd love if you can support me and my vision of helping people around the world with eliminating pain and living a better life. I'd love if you can leave a five-star rating. Sometimes it's hard to find, but if you can leave a five-star rating or a written review on my podcast, that would be so helpful and that will inspire more people and it will share, it will be able to broadcast my podcast and my episodes towards more people that are in need. And if there is any feedback or things that you want to see in future episodes, please send me an email, jason at flexordrj.com. Or you can send a quick text on what topics you want me to cover. And that text is 415-965-6580. I answer and reply to all my messages directly. And lastly, I'll leave you always with these last words of advice. We only have one body, one life. Make every action you take be one that makes you a better version of you. Take care.